Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. Baseball coming up here in a little bit, along with some football news, but definitely wanted to tell you about the first All-American for women's golf since 1999. Melanie Green, who was the Bulls' top scorer, the junior, and of course the number one player on a team that made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in more than a decade, was named to the Women's Golf Coaches Association Division I All-American Honorable Mention team. Only 50 student-athletes were on the All-American teams. And again, the Bulls had not had one since 1999. She becomes the sixth All-American in women's golf program history. She actually ranked 12th in the country in scoring average and was ranked 39th overall. Of course, they take into account the actual par scores, that kind of thing, and the courses you play. But wow, what a tremendous honor for Melanie Green. And well-deserved. What a time we had in Clearwater. Not as good of a time as Tulane. If you didn't see the video I retweeted of their celebration, the accompanying audio coming up as as unlikely of a story as the Bulls winning the conference championship would have been, I think, Tulane, even though the Green Wave had the better seed, uh, is even more unlikely. But now the Bulls were right there. We'll talk about that in a second. Did want to mention that the football team officially announced an addition of a new Member to the secondary, he's a 6'4 defensive back, Braxton Clark. He's from Orlando originally. Dr. Phillips played four years with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 318 defensive snaps, 143 special team snaps, and again, a very deep part of the team gets another member to it. We'll continue to keep an eye on the basketball roster. Some former members, Russell Chiwa is at Georgia, actually had put his name into consideration for the NBA draft, but that has been withdrawn, so he will be a official member of the Georgia Bulldogs. The roster for the Bulls continues to expand. Baseball team, before we get to the situation from Clearwater last week with some highlights, Karsten Whitson, who was the pitching coach the last couple years, announced via social media that he is moving on, had a lot of praise for the program, and wishes the Bulls the best. We, of course, will keep an eye out on any other coaching news for you here. Some other teams around the conference parted ways with their head coaches and don't know what's going on quite yet with the Bulls, but whether it's Billy Mole staying or Billy Mole not staying, we'll confirm which it is when we and if we get that news. His team was, of course, in the prime position of being 2-0, and just needing one win in two possible chances last Saturday but against a very tough team. And looking back on it last Friday, East Carolina and UCF played a 13-inning game. You could not have drawn it up any better. But personally, I was just hoping the Bulls would play East Carolina because I just didn't want to have to deal with the even possibility of UCF ending the Bulls' season, even though, truly, looking back, that would have been the better route for the Bulls to go because UCF was so burnt up with its pitching staff, and, well, East Carolina was it because... They are so deep, and they got one of those situations that you dream of in the first game last Saturday morning against the Bulls. Namely, they had a pitcher almost go the distance. Garrett Saylor, who's not some guy out of nowhere, he had a team high, 105 strikeouts out of the pen last year. Well, he dominated the Bulls, went eight innings, only gave up two hits. That was the big difference between the Tuesday comeback for the Bulls against East Carolina. Looking back on it, it's even more amazing because they basically ran through five pitchers in one inning, and one of them was Garrett Saylor. He faced the Bulls and did not get anybody out in that top of the ninth. Three straight hits against him. 
Well, the Bulls didn't get three hits against him in eight innings, yet they were still in the game because, boy, if you could have flipped around the pitching situation, the Bulls held that Pirates team to just three runs. Nolan Hootie was terrific. And takes a curveball on the outside corner, strike two, 0-2. Got a guy on the other side that can fire it past you, and the Bulls' side can spot it past you, and he's doing a great job of that so far today. Rudy rares, and a fast strike on the upper part of the zone, called strike three. And Nolan Hootie, who, oh yeah, just a week ago, on a Saturday, went six scoreless against the Pirates, strikes out the side in the second inning. Really, both teams got all you could have hoped for from your pitching, just that East Carolina got a little bit more. They scored a run in the bottom of the fifth inning, first run of the game, and the Bulls had the immediate answer with their only hit in the first eight innings, as it turned out. Jackson Mayo to lead off. That was a big strikeout by Nolan Hood to keep it one to nothing. Obviously, the Bulls came back from down six against this team. Uh, got a little boost there at the end of the inning. This one hit toward right field, fairly deep. It's carrying, it's carrying, it's gone. Jackson Mayo, home run, and the game is tied. It's Mayo's fifth home run of the year, RBI number 20. Carter Cunningham looked like he thought he had a play on that ball, but he just kept drifting back, <laughs> and finally he ran out of room. Cunningham, who made that incredible catch earlier, kind of fooled us all into thinking he had a chance. He can do it all but that. And the Bulls get the first hit. I'd say it was a pretty big one. Well, the crowd was fantastic on that Saturday morning. But, boy, East Carolina had an immediate answer with a pair of two-out hits. And that was it for the scoring. Nolan Hootie, six innings. Tanner Mink, two sharp innings. But speaking of sharp, Garrett Saylor, through a career high by 30, by the way, 112 pitches. So they had to bring in Landon Ginn in the ninth inning. They actually brought Saylor out to start off the ninth. It would have been the craziest complete game. And the Bulls have not been complete gamed all year still. A Bobby Bozer double, which was almost caught, this was wild, ushered his day to an end. Well, if he can get on, it certainly uh, makes it interesting as you got some sluggers coming up for the Bulls. Snow can knock it out. Brutcher can definitely knock it out as he did three times in three straight games against East Carolina last weekend. So pretty important three and two pitch here. Here it is, and Bozer drills it deep to left field. This has a chance, and Hoover, did he catch it? He did not. He dropped the baseball, an incredible, incredible effort, but it's a double. Oh, man, I thought we were just robbed as the wall helped out. He made the catch, and then the wall jarred it loose. In comes Landon Ginn, and Eric Snow flies out. Bozer does advance to third, but it's a three-to-one game. Then Drew Brutcher gets walked. Raphael Betancourt pops up. Brutcher takes second, so you do have the tying run at second base, then a dramatic walk. Oh, it was a dramatic walk to Joaquin Monquet low the bases. So Monquet is going to have to drive it somewhere. Or take a walk. Full count. Payoff pitch. By again. Here it is. And is that a pitch clock situation? It yes. is. I was just saying it was taking him forever. And the bases are loaded. Yeah. As it as it took Ginn past the 20 seconds. 
And ironically, as the play went through, Monquet swung and missed to end the ball game. But the umpires had called time prior to that oh, for the pitch clock violation. Oh, Pirates fans were upset because earlier in the game, truly they had the right to be because I ran it back and their coach Cliff Godwin immediately reacted. I think they timed it from when the ball hit the catcher's mitt to the next pitch. It's supposed to be from when the pitcher gets the ball. You have 20 seconds. But in this case, it was legitimate. But a dramatic strikeout ended it. Marcus Brodell, who was so good otherwise, went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. So again, down to their last strike. It's been that way for a couple at bats now. Again, working quicker for the record. And Brodell swings and misses. Beautiful pitch and slider that he's on top of. And East Carolina celebrating like they've won the thing today. They've just won a game. And the Bulls made them earn it. But outstanding starting pitching and a rally thwarted there. And the head coaches shake hands and say, we'll see you in a few hours. And so the Bulls had to play again. And man, did they give us some moments. Jumping ahead against East Carolina, if you go back to even the win in 11 innings, the Bulls were 0 for 11 with two outs. And then all nine innings on Saturday morning. And then the first inning on Saturday afternoon, they were 0 for 21 with two outs until they weren't. Bulls trying to bring in the runner from third. Two and one on Sankovic. Line drive, base hit center field. The ball is bobbled in center. That's going to allow Mayo to go to third. One to nothing Bulls, Travis Sankovic with a big two-out hit. Yes, indeed, a big hit, and East Carolina is going to feel hard done, but for all the times that the Bulls have come up without a hit with runners in scoring position and with two outs, remember, even in scoring 12 runs, they did not get a hit with two outs. I don't care. That was a big hit. One ball, two strikes on Bozer. Hit sharply on the ground to right field. That's going to get through for a base hit. Mayo will score. It's two to nothing, Bulls. Back to back, two out hits for South Florida. Bozer drives in the second run of the inning. Took him a while to get that first rib. Better late than never. That was solid. He doesn't always go right down the line to right, but it was there. Two to nothing, South Florida. Runners on first and second for Eric Snow. Great atmosphere. It is really something. No balls, one strike on Snow. Topped on the ground toward third. Gonna have to hurry, they'll have no play. Makarevich decided not to make the throw, figuring he couldn't get Snow at first, and the bases are loaded. Two outs. Hit sharply on the ground, it gets through for a base hit. Two runs will score. It's four to nothing, South Florida. Drew Brutcher drives in two. The Bulls have scored four in the inning. And the two out hit parade continues <laughs> for South Florida. Boy, you said it. To repeat, 0 for 21, and you count Snow's hit even though it didn't bring somebody home. It's four in a row. If you couldn't tell, the atmosphere was off the chain there. However, East Carolina, and unfortunately Hunter Mink had some issues with 
shut down innings this year, I mean, they got it right back. They scored four in the bottom of the second. With Mink walking a couple, and then that was its own wild drama. We told you that East Carolina was not getting the calls it liked in the first game. Well, this was not called a home run initially, except by our own Jim Lauk. It certainly was. The 2-2 is lined toward left. If it's fair, it's gone, it's gone. Grand slam home run. Let's see. Yeah, I think it hit the top of the wall. It's in play. They hit the do. top of the wall. It came back, so it's not a grand slam. Whew. And East Carolina is probably going to argue that as well. Yeah, I think it is. But right now, Starling is at first. Two runs scored. Makarevich stopped at third, and I'm sure they're going to have to look at this. I think it cleared the wall, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you. And the only reason, if it did not clear the wall, was that wind that is just blowing straight out from left to right. Don't remember the last time that I saw a grand slam that had to uh, have such delayed gratification. The opposite of gratification, of course, for the Bulls. The umpires are near the Pirates dugout, and here we go. Home run, it's four to four. Only for more magic. Now this was the end of the magic, but what a wild three-run top of the third. Ball's one strike. Hit pretty well toward right field. Going back, going back. That's gone. It's the first of the year for Ben Rosenblum. Opposite field. And the Bulls go back out in front six to four. Continues his big tournament with home run number one on the season. Been waiting for that home run celebration, and now we see what he does. He kind of does the Superman thing and stomps on home plate. Very impressive answer, and get it up into that wind stream. That's exactly what got that ball over the wall by about two feet. Two outs, bases empty. Sankovic with a fly ball to right. That's got some legs, and that is gone. A moment after Ben Rosenblum hits his first of the year, Travis Sankovic hits his first in two years. And it's seven to four, South Florida. You can say that again. Two first home runs. Don't care that the wind helped both of them out. And when I say help is the reason they both went out. Great swings, that's where you have to put the ball. Sankovic did not hit one last year at Marshall. And he hadn't gotten one at South Florida until now. Yeah, when you have two guys get their first homers of the season, you can't help but get a little excited. Ben Rosenblum was the lone bull named to the all-tournament team. Should have been more. Marcus Brodell, Travis Sankovic, both were worthy candidates. But you got to keep in mind, only 11 spots, and, well, each of the finalists got four apiece. So Rosenblum was the top bull. The man who had one hit in conference play ended up with seven hits and seven RBI and played a tremendous catcher position. Speaking of tremendous, a guy that the Bulls probably didn't plan on worrying about, lefty Eric Ritchie, came in and calmed things down for them, and the Pirates kept on scoring. 14-7, to they got the bulk of their runs basically against the starting weekend rotation for the Bulls. So it's not like the Bulls ran out of pitching. The Pirates just had too much for them. And we're not going to do a full conference show here. I just wanted you to hear the call of the next day when Tulane, which had to first beat Houston, Tulane, which went 15-40 and 40 in the regular season, 
ended up beating East Carolina. My buddy Corey Glore's final call here. There was a dramatic uphold of a replay where East Carolina thought it had a base stolen, would have been second and third. They were down two with one out in the ninth instead. One on, two out, and Tulane does it. Umpires' headsets off. Points. Out! 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 Two away. One pitch away. Ricky wants a re-rack of signs. He's back on the mound. Runner at third is Nowak. Who cares? No balls, two strikes on McChrystal. Here it comes. Line shot in the air to left field. Bear racing back. He's got it! He's got it! He's got it! Are you serious? Welcome to Impossible! Tulane has done it! They've won the American! How on earth did this just happen? They actually had video on him, and it's something else. If you want to go to my Twitter page, you can see it. And if you're thinking, well, that could have been the Bulls. Well, even if the Bulls had beaten East Carolina, it just seems like Tulane had something going on. They could have lost to them, but as it is, their season ends in Clearwater. They gave us some moments at the end, that is for sure. We'll do more on the conference. Tulane heads to Baton Rouge, East Carolina to UVA. The loss of the conference tournament ended their hosting rights, but we'll give you much more on Friday's show, but that's going to wrap up the Wednesday program. I'm Derek Sharp.